Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 24, 2016 In Memoriam. Chris McBride here, along with Yancey Eaton. As always, it's Pop Goes Your World. Yancey, what's going on this week, my friend? I'm currently in my little recording studio, a.k.a. my shed outside in the backyard, and I'm <laughs> We're high-tech around here. Yeah, you're freezing. Yeah. Okay, please tell me. What's the temperature out there, please? It's currently 44 degrees Fahrenheit, which is very, very cold for South Florida. So I'm just sitting here trying to uh, – I have a, I mean, I have a jacket and pants and like two shirts on and socks. I'm wearing a hat and it's, you know, obviously at night. And I say, obviously, again, like I always do, you know, people have no idea what time it is as we're recording, but here, (laughs) here we are. But yeah, I'm freezing. How are you though? Oh man, you know what? I tell you, you and you're complaining. So you you think it's so, (laughs) you think it's so cold. I'll tell you something. Everybody probably knows one of the things I like to do before I record the show is I go and I like to have a beer. I'm Canadian. That's what we do. So I think what's Mm -hmm. better than having a beer? Talking to my buddy, talking about movies and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. This is, it's a wonderful life. You know, I mean, I I lead a a charmed life. What can I say? So I go out before we get into the studio here, my studio, which is in my basement of my house. So I got a basement studio, unlike the shed studio. So I go out Mm -hmm. to my my garage and I grab a beer and I come downstairs and I open the beer up and I go to take a, a swig out of it and nothing comes out. And I realize the beer is frozen. So don't complain to me about no 40 degree Fahrenheit weather. My beer for my garage is frozen solid. Okay, so that's cold. This is cold. This is Canada. And let's get uh, started with the show. We've got Avatar, Titanic, T2. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. But here's the spin on it. Which I've never actually seen True Life. The best scene in the movie isn't CG because it's with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Toy Story 3 made me cry. That's the one with uh, with Tom Cruise, right? Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Imagination is where the real power is. When it comes to movie magic... Uh, okay, so this week we're going to be talking about, uh, obviously, 2016. Everybody was talking about it. You know, it was like this terrible year that took all these celebrities away from us. It just seemed like every week we were getting the news. Someone else was passing away, and it just got worse and worse as the year went on. So I did want to kind of take a look back at things. So lots of people and lots of celebrities, you know, were taken in uh, 2016. So I think I'd like to talk about some of them, and, and certainly not all of them, because there's you know too many to count. But you know, and it's not going to be like our typical top five list that we do on you know. Every, instead, I just like to go kind of go back and forth, and maybe mention a couple names, and we can talk about them, and you know, people that maybe really meant something to you, not necessarily the biggest celebrities. Maybe they are the biggest celebrities that we lost in 2016. But uh, Yancey, like, who jumps out for you, like as somebody that we lost in 2016 that, that meant a lot to you, you know, growing up uh, as a millennial, loving pop culture. I mean, it's 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 hard to just jump on one, um, but I mean, if there's one name I kind of have to gravitate towards, it's literally one person that I've 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 kind of quietly mourned all year, and we've talked about this in past shows. But it's Prince. Um, I mean, just one of the most prolific artists, one of the greatest guitarists of all time, one of the most inventive songwriters. You know, one of mo- you know uh, and a complete philanthropist and just super, super creative and can play multiple instruments and was completely an original, like entirely his own thing, did whatever he wanted. And I mean, transformed and, and just crossed so many different genres of music. Um, 
there, there, there's so many like notable names that passed in 2016 where I instantly knew who they were, you know, really recognizable people like, you know, like somebody like Morley Safer, like, um, I'm not, you know, the biggest fan. I, I'm not going to say that I cried when we passed away, but he has been on TV my entire life. And to, to hear somebody like that had passed away, you know, it was, it was sad. It, it you know, I'm 28 years old, but that did make me feel old as you start seeing all these icons start and passing to, away. And to realize, like, you know, something like 60 Minutes is a huge part of our pop culture. Yes, huge. It's it huge. has incredible I, I've watched it my whole power. life. Yeah, I've watched yeah. it my whole life. And, yeah, but, and, and, um, and Morley Safer was one of the last sort of of that, that original guard to go. You know, like Ed right. Bradley, um, you know, he, he had died more recently, too. Uh, Mike Wallace is already gone. So, like, I think, you know, Morley Safer was one of the last ones. But I agree with you. Like, that was... Yeah, it was it was tough. I've been watching him forever too. Yeah, but like what, going back, to, sorry, going to, back to Prince for a second. I, I was yeah, going to go back to yeah. Prince. It's it's one of those things where, like I said, all, all, all of these we're gonna we're gonna touch on a couple of other names too that meant a lot to us. But this is the one where I I literally am still like in like this like crazy morning where like every single every single morning I start out my day by listening to Prince songs like a uh, like want to be your lover is basically my alarm clock song where <laughs> you know as soon as my my phone is supposed to go off I have it programmed where it plays that mp3 it's just a it's a it's a kooky really fun song one of his earlier pieces and stuff and I'm just I just find myself constantly going back to his entire catalog and I've been getting with friends who have different albums and stuff that I don't have and I'm trying to gain more of his catalog and uh, I believe I mentioned this in a past show too but one of the things that I'm I'm trying to find a silver lining in his passing is, you know, there's so much music that has never seen the light of day that only a handful of people have ever heard. And I'm hoping that we start seeing that come to the forefront. Um, I don't know who's going to, you know, have control over his estate. Uh, you know, there were even more reports coming out just today that uh, they found out that he has like, you know, 25 to $30 million of additional real estate that almost nobody knew about. He had like almost, you know, 70 gold bars inside his house, millions of dollars of cash that he's hoarded up. You know, there's there's got to be a ton of music and archival footage and stuff of, of music videos that never saw the light of day. He was obviously somebody who, who really kept his personal things close to him, and I'm just, I'm honestly just excited to see some of that stuff come to light. But. I, I have a question for you regarding Prince, and I don't mean to, I don't want this to sound glib or anything like that, because I think you and I have different opinions or we have different experiences with Prince mm -hmm. because he, let, let me put things in perspective for you uh, when when Purple Rain came out when the movie came out I, I saw it in the theater mm -hmm. in 1984 okay so I was 14 years old I went to the movies and I saw this movie and I thought it was really good I liked it and I liked the music from it and I, I thought I always thought Prince was great and and I thought I think I, I always think of there's a quote I believe it was Eric Clapton if I remember correctly and, and if I got it wrong somebody shoot me a tweet or an email and let me know I thought I thought I remember reading a, a quote one time where somebody asked Eric Clapton and they said what's it like being the greatest guitar player that ever lived and, mm -hmm. he, and he said I don't know you better ask Prince yeah, it was Clapton. Yeah, and like, because Prince was so good. And like, the thing was, when you listen to a song like Let's Go Crazy, and then that that guitar solo at the end, like, you think the song's over, and then at the end, it hits that, with that, starting with that note, and then he's got the wah pedal on, and doing like, you're like, wow, this guy can play the guitar, man. Like, holy yeah. smokes, as he got command of that thing. Um, but so here's the question that I have. And again, not to sound glib or anything, because, again, because I'm kind of stuck in the past. You know, I'm stuck in the 70s and 80s, and it's like nothing else mm -hmm. ever exists. So I'm, I want to know from a millennial point of view, like, because it kind of strikes me like Prince hasn't been relevant for about 30 years. Is that, like, I mean, does he keep, I don't think he's been making a lot of music, like, lately, like he did in the 80s. Is that a fair statement, or? 
I don't think it's fair to say that he wasn't making music. A lot of stuff that I've read in the past year talked about how he, he still records. Uh, he would spend weeks on end at Paisley Park just recording music. And uh, his problem is, is um, you know, there were albums, you know, especially in the late 90s, that, that were kind of duds. And they didn't, you know, have commercial success or critical success at all. So he was basically um, maybe overthinking a little bit, a little bit too uh critical basically so this music still exists it's not like he destroyed it but he was creating but not releasing music to the public um i mean there there are like he has a huge catalog of even of stuff that he released not including the stuff that we haven't seen before but um i i would i would be a little dishonest if i said that every single album was a classic because obviously that's not true like i i don't think musicology was awesome i don't think like lotus flower or mp3 sound was a was were great albums by themselves but you know, Sign of the Times and Purple Rain in 1999 and Around the World in a Day, like, those are fantastic oh, albums. Yeah. Just fantastic albums. Do you think, that was his legacy sort of besmirched in any way when he started having trouble with the record uh, companies and then he went from being Prince to the artist formerly known formerly as Prince known. and he had that symbol and stuff? Like, because, I mean, at, at one point it almost felt like he was kind of getting into, like, uh, like, like, territory of being almost like a, like a punchline. You know, yep. like because of that stuff. Do you think that affected his legacy in any way to you? Um, I, I do think so. And I think it actually affected his music a little bit, too, because, I mean, even even some of his earlier stuff, when he was still trying to find himself as a musician, like he was still there's so much joy in his music. You know, what I mean, and there was so much just explosive creativity. And during that whole that whole ordeal with the, the record companies and stuff, I do feel like he kind of got stripped of his identity a little bit and he kind of lost his way. And like if you look like I mentioned, you know, there's commercial success and there's critical success, obviously. Um, but around that same time, I mean, he was really struggling with both and it, it, it did affect him. I mean, he couldn't, I mean, how, how, how are you supposed to be, you know, completely expressive and show who you are as, a, as an artist whenever you can't even own your name? I mean, right. that's not just like, you know, like a share or a Madonna. That's actually his name. You know, that's, <laughs> that's Prince Rogers Nelson, you know, like, I don't know, to be strict or something like that, I, I did think it had a lasting effect on him. I don't think that's unfair at all to say that. It's actually, I mean, it's just it's just, it's just incredibly disheartening, but... Right. You know, the other thing that this always struck me about Prince was the whole idea of the Minneapolis music scene, you know? Yes. And, 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 it, and, and I buzzing, really, yeah. I think, I think that whole thing that surrounded him, like when, when the movie came out, it was all about the Minneapolis music scene, and you're like, there's a Minneapolis music scene? Who knew? Right. And, and right. I think that that really helped pave the way for other local music scenes to kind of get some recognition like Seattle for example like mm -hmm. maybe the Seattle music scene maybe never would have happened as big or people would have caught on if it wasn't for Prince opening the door to the fact that hey there's some local music scenes around the country that are phenomenal you know outside of you know the, the, the big centers that we always think of, like New York and Nashville and places like that, right? right. So it's yeah. kind of, so I don't know, it's kind of cool. And, and, you know, and the other thing too is, is he brought, like, you, you cannot, you know, underestimate or, you know, downplay how much attention he brought to the other musicians in the Minneapolis area at the time, like, like Sheena E and Apollonia and Vanity, who also died in 2016. Yes, he did. I remember Morris Day in the Time. I tell you, when Morris Day in the Time did Jungle Love in Purple Rain, like, those guys were good. Like, there was some really good music in Minneapolis that, you know, we probably never would have heard of if it wasn't for Prince kind of, you know, shining light on all that too, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. No, that's 100% sure. And a lot of people, I mean, we touched base on this in a, a past episode. I can't remember which one. If you guys want to go back and look, you can probably find it. But, um, I mean, he wrote so many songs and he just gave away hits, which is just 
crazy, you know, from somebody who just loved to create and he just loved to put his music out there. He was just so charitable with, he literally could recognize talent. He would say, Hey, listen, I have this song that I know is going to be a hit. I will gift it to you for free. Like here you are, you know, you are now famous because you know, you've basically been blessed by the hand of Prince. And he did that throughout his entire career. There were, there, he has so many song credits. I mean, it's just, there's so many different ways I could go about talking about him. I've, I've had this conversation with multiple people, and it is hard. You know, you, you talk about the generational gap, and you know that's the theme of our show. You, you and I see things from a different light, but this is one of those instances uh, dealing with Prince. Like, he passes away. I go to work the next day, and I'm trying to talk to people about it because I'm obvi- I'm I'm honestly like really upset about it, and you know my age group just doesn't connect with his music at all. You know, and finding somebody that that had that type of connection with with him musically is just it is it is really really difficult so it's i would have to look for somebody who's in their late 30s 40s 50s and stuff to to relate at all mm-hmm. you know again there's some really really big names and i'm sure we're going to hit on lots of them but uh, you know i would i'd like to mention a couple of the the sort of maybe lesser you know huge names um that that we lost in 2016 um although she was huge I, florence henderson uh november, yep. november the 24th obviously she was 82 years old it's a little bit before my time um, but every day when I got home after school, when I was a kid, the Brady Bunch would be on TV, like the reruns, right? And mm-hmm. that's what an all-American mom looked like, I think, for an entire generation, just like Barbara Billingsley's June Cleaver was, you know, to a generation earlier, right? I mean, you had, you know, Florence Henderson was, she was like pretty, she was smart, and she wasn't just a housewife like June Cleaver was, like like she had a maid, right? And, and the family was well off, and, and, and she was basically a role model for a generation, and I don't mm-hmm. think you should, you should forget the fact that that was a blended family, and and at and TV at the time wasn't exactly like liberal in their portrayal of people's lifestyles. Like, if you think of um, like I Love Lucy, like Desi and Lucy didn't even share the same bed, you know what I mean? So to, to all of a sudden come out in like the late 60s, early 70s with a show with two families that got together like that's that's not conservative you know on tv and um and so i think i don't know i don't think you can you can downplay the effect that she had on an entire generation there was this really short-lived show in 1982 called police squad and i don't know if you have ever ever heard of it but but you obviously know the naked gun right yeah and you'll yep. and you'll know the naked gun from the files of police squad is the subtitle of the movie there was a, there was a show called police squad in 1982 and it lasted for six episodes i i remember watching it first drawn i was 12 watching it i loved it loved it and after six episodes it got canceled but it was basically um the naked gun in a half an hour tv show and that's what spawned that movie but what they did was every episode they'd open up with a special guest star and then the special guest star they mentioned who it was and then they would proceed to die during the opening credits and they weren't even in the show it was like a running gag on the show for all six episodes and my favorite one was when Florence Henderson was the guest star it was like special guest star Florence Henderson and she's in the kitchen making food with like Wesson oil because she used to do these ads for Wesson oil back in the 70s and she's mm-hmm. cooking in the kitchen then all of a sudden somebody just like opens fire with a machine gun and takes her out and then she's not in the show anymore I think she had a great <laughs> sense of humor she was okay. Okay. She was a, she was an icon, and and I I really really liked Florence Henderson a lot, so I wanted to mention her. Um, so was there any like maybe lesser famous people, for lack of a better term, that 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 we saw go in twenty sixteen that kind of stand out for you? I have lots of them. Like I have a lot that I could talk about too. I mean, I can rattle off some. I mean, going back to like the whole music thing. Yeah. Um, 
David Bowie is not a small name by no, any means. I no, mean, I can, no. <laughs> I talk about him for a long time, but just to just to give you some of the smaller, lesser known names. Um, and the thing with Bowie um, too. Sorry, just there's so many to talk about with Bowie. The thing that's interesting for me about him is that whole gender bending androgynous stuff that kind of mm-hmm. he brought to the table, especially early in his career. That kind of helped spawn Prince. Like you know, oh, yeah, Prince sure. was doing the same thing that, that Bowie used to do. And I thought Bowie was interesting because then he went and he totally changed his image in the '80s. He was wearing suits. He got married to Imam. The, the model and and he had more mainstream music like Bowie was really good and I don't think you could ever underestimate how good his vocals were like man dude's vocals were phenomenal right like Oh man, yeah, no. David Bowie definitely wasn't a, a small fish, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I, I kind of grouped them together by like what they were known for, what what industry they were in, or or, or anything like that. But um, so you know, Prince, David Bowie, like we just talked about. Uh, my family, both sides, huge Merle Haggard fans. Uh, he kind of yeah. got lost in the mix. Yeah. Like if for if for another year, we would have been talking about him as like that that great legend that passed away. Um, uh, Leonard Cohen. I've personally yes. never been a huge fan of Leonard Cohen. Which, Canadian. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure I'll, I'll bring on the uh, you know the, the the vitriol from some listeners, but um, I'm not to I'm not discrediting his talent and I'm not stomping on his grave or anything like that. But um, I personally just never really got into his music. I always felt like he was just talking. And uh, even like the you know this this most recent album I just produced and just put out. Sorry, I'm shivering. That's why I'm talking like really yeah funny, yeah guys. yeah. Four, Forty degrees as my beer's frozen. Go ahead. Yeah, come on, be be nice. Um, uh, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of Leonard Cohen's movie or uh, music, but I, I I guess I can appreciate because you know a lot of people did appreciate that. But um, even even people like Five Dog, I mean the Five Foot Assassin, you know from Tribe, like Five Dog passed away, which was really upsetting because it it literally happened the same year that they you know were getting back together and putting out a new album. I think for like the first time in fifteen or sixteen years, and he didn't get to see it through its completion. You know, what I mean, they basically had to finish that album without Five Dog, which is just insane. And then, you know, going back to more, you know, George Michael just passed away. Again, not the biggest fan of his music, but I understand that, like, you know, to a lot of people, he was, you know, he was their favorite artist. You know, uh, some smaller names like Greg, uh, Greg Lake from Emerson Lake and Palmer. Yeah. You know, he's going to get glossed over. Nobody will remember that he passed away this year. And then even like um, the fifth Beatle, you know who that is? Uh, George Martin. George Martin. Yes. George Martin passes away. Glenn sure Fry from the Eagles. I mean, there were just there were so many names, yeah. like iconic, like just classic rock names, and just I'll, th- I'll throw out a couple if I could that were really like probably not even very well known at all. Richard Libertini. I loved Richard Libertini. So he was in three movies that I just absolutely loved when I was younger. And one was Fletch. And another one was Sharky's Machine with Burt Reynolds. And I really loved Going Berserk with John Candy. It was a David Steinberg movie. And Richard Libertini, you'd have to Google him. And if you looked at him, you'd go, oh, I know that guy. He's one of those character actors that his voice, his look is so incredibly unique. He did tons of small parts on TV shows back in the 70s, like Mork and Mindy and Good Times, Laverne and Shirley, Alice. He was on all those shows. And I I really liked Richard Libertini a lot. And he I think he brought so much to all of the roles, to the movies that he was in. George Gaines, um, he, he lived to be 98, and he died earlier in the year, back in February. George Gaines was on WKRP in Cincinnati one time. But more importantly, he his role in Police Academy as Commandant Lassard was he was so so funny because he was just this dim-witted guy and and the whole scene where he's at the podium and uh, and Mahoney brings in the uh, the prostitute to go on the front of the podium with him and and, and so he he's giving a speech you, you, have you seen police academy or no i i 
I've seen bits and pieces of it. Sorry, I thought I was muted. Yeah, I've no, seen no. bits and pieces of it. Um, I've never sat down and watched oh, the entire dude, movie. It's so funny. So he's there. He walks up to the podium. There's a, there's a prostitute inside the podium. So she, you know, starts doing something to him while he's giving his speech. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, let's take a look at this next slide. <laughs> like, it was just, <laughs> he was just so George Gaines. And Tootsie, he was so good in Tootsie. Um I think Pat Harrington deserves a bit of a shout out for me. Um, he was 86 and he died. He was in, um, uh, he was in, he played Schneider in One Day at a Time and he always had the, the pack of cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve and, you know, he was always coming in on, on Anne Romano and, and so I, I, he was really good. I think it was also, he kind of really played up the importance of having a really strong secondary character in that sort of two camera, you know, sitcom format. Um, but there's lots more. I'm going to throw some to you. Any, any other ones you want to throw? Cause I guess I got zillions of them that I just loved, but any other ones from you? I was trying to stall as a gigantic helicopter appears to be directly from you. Once again, uh, one of the downsides to recording outside is the constant dog barking and helicopters and very, very cold conditions. But um, yeah, last week, didn't you say like police were like scaling the walls? A yes. SWAT team was coming to get you or something like that? Yes, literally. Yeah, um, you. But you know what, Chris? We are professionals and this is what we do. We yep. podcast. That's right. Nothing um, stops us. Uh, if we can like make a slight like a uh, digression over to like sports. Yes. Muhammad Ali passing away yeah. obviously was huge. Um, it was huge, but I mean, it, it's hard to talk about stuff like this and not just sound incredibly morbid or, you know, kind of, you know, mean spirited or anything like that. But um, honestly, I, I consider it a blessing that he did last as long as he did. You know what I mean? Because um, that was a dude who the last, you know, 15 to 20 years of his life really struggled physically. Yeah. I mean, Parkin- mentally, Parkinson's really, there. really did a number on him. No toys about it. Yeah. So. That, that part was difficult and it, for it me. Was, it was tough, too. Sorry to interrupt. It was tough watching him decline with Parkinson's because when you think about when he was on top of his game, like physically, mentally sharp, like, man, nobody was like him. Nobody was ever like him. And that's what – he was a game changer in pop culture. How does a boxer become such a big part of pop culture? Because he's Muhammad Ali and he was bigger than life and the, like the, 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 the wit and the whole like float like a butterfly sting like a bee and oh, he was phenomenal, man. He was on his game. And it wasn't even just the boxing though. It was no, just, that's exactly. I mean, he was, he it was, was such everything. a political figure. Yep. Even, even now, I mean, his whole life he, you know, obviously he converted to Islam and it's, you know, he, he took a stand. I mean, some people might call him being a draft dodger, but he was basically saying like, look, I, you know, I'm a man of color and I'm being discriminated against in my country. And then I'm supposed to blindly, you know, go to war and, and die for it. You know, I can't, you know, I, I can't even sit in a restaurant with some white people and I, you know, I have to go fight what he viewed as like a white man's war. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, politics obviously involved with that, but, um, I mean, the dude was still huge. That was one of those. I mean, if you had to go with like the, you know, like the four or five biggest deaths, obviously Muhammad Ali. From a from a global perspective, I think he had to be right up there. I mean, one of the most iconic names of all time. You know, um, some other sports names though. I know you're not probably a huge basketball fan, but Craig Sager. Um, some folks listening to this, I'm sure they watch basketball. Craig Sager, a longtime uh, sideline reporter, you know, does all the pregame and stuff like that for NBA and. Uh, you might remember seeing him, Chris, from like highlights and stuff. He always wore very, very eccentric suits. Like I'm talking about the craziest prints and color-coordinated print, like I, I, just insane, insane stuff. I've I've loved Craig Sager for a long time. He's been battling cancer for you know several, several years, and um, you know he would go under remission and then you know 
he would be gone for a while and he would come back and you know you could see like, before your eyes every time he was back on tv like his health was deteriorating to see him you know lose so much weight and stuff like that but he was just such a I mean, everybody loved him. Coaches loved him. Even 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 coaches like Greg Popovich of the Spurs, who's synonymously very short and and, and rude and abrasive when it comes to uh, the press, absolutely loved him. And uh, to see, you know, going back to like morally safer, like somebody that you were used to seeing on TV for so long, you know, for me to watch basketball games and know that I won't see Craig Ziger again is like honestly very very upsetting. And then you had people like uh, Pat Summit. She was the longtime Tennessee Volunteers, uh, the women's basketball coach uh for the tennessee volunteers her passing away same thing you know long long uh long uh illness basically that she was fighting her whole life i can't even remember what it was specifically which is makes me sound horrible but the one that the one sports one uh, that really really affected me most and you know this too as a baseball fan was jose fernandez passing away um me well, waking sure. up yeah. in the morning and seeing that and literally just searching article after article after article, trying to find something that would be like, oh, hey, this is a hoax. You know, everybody's, you know, just spreading around this internet hoax. Don't fall for it kind of thing. And, um, you know, it's wild. You know, every couple of years, uh, a, a professional baseball player will, will, will pass away while they're still active. You know what I mean? That's, you know, if you have a league where there's nine to a you know, 900 or a thousand players, sometimes it's going to happen where somebody will pass away. But I don't, I can't remember in my lifetime where you had a player who was, I mean, literally the all time leader in strikeout percentage, you know, uh, a Cy Young contender, not, this isn't hyperbole, literally one of the best pitchers in baseball to be taken from us like that, you know, in like a, a, a boating accident overnight, you know, and there's all kinds of, of, uh, unknowns as far as what happened that night before and that morning of i'm not going to get into that stuff but just to be stripped of literally one of the best baseball talents in the world um as a huge baseball fan was just incredibly incredibly upsetting and um you know to see all of the the media coverage and all the tributes and stuff living here in south florida was just i mean it was that that part was particularly upsetting you know arnold palmer passed away this year too but Arnold Palmer, I'm not sure exactly how he was. I thought he was at least 90. It's sad to see, you know, icons like that pass away. But Jose Fernandez was was in his, like, early 20s. You know what I mean? He had a pregnant girlfriend and just that whole situation. Um, I think Prince and Jose Fernandez, those are probably the two that really stuck with me the most. Yeah. What about I, you, Chris? I'd like to give a, a shout-out to two Garys that we lost in 2016. And one is Gary Marshall. And mm -hmm. I've mentioned him on the show before, obviously directing movies like Pretty Woman and one of my favorite comedies of all time, Young Doctors in Love, which I've mentioned on the podcast before. And of course, his work in television. I mean, Happy Days. Without him, there's no Fonzie. So, I mean, Gary Marshall was, he was big. And another one is Gary Shandling. And, and I, I feel like Gary Shandling kind of got lost in things in 2016. Um, one of my favorite TV shows I have mentioned on the show before is Freaks and Geeks. And, that scene in Freaks and Geeks when Haverchuk, play, played by the one and only Martin Starr, uh, there's a scene where he's at home alone and he's watching Gary Shandling's first appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And Haverchuk is just like dying laughing. He's spitting his food out and laughing. I think that scene represented how a nation felt because because Shandling was really, really funny. Really funny. And when he did the Larry Sanders show, it was so incredibly unique. And I think if you were to go back and watch it now... You know, you'd be kind of like watching it, like 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 for yourself, Yancey, if you'd never seen it, and you just went to go back and watch the Larry Sanders show, you'd be like, "Well, what's the big deal here?" Um, but the back in the '90s when it was on, because it ran from like '92 to '98, there was nothing else like it had ever before to have like like a show like that that's kind of like supposed to be a reality show, but it's not. It's scripted. Like it's not. Is it improvised? Like 
so those are two guys I think deserve a, a big, big shout out uh, for me. Um, and then, of course, you know, Star Wars, we talk about it every single week on the show, lost, you know, two two of their own, you know, this past yeah. year that were really big. Obviously, you know, Carrie Fisher, um, what do you, what the heck do you say about her? I mean, she's a princess for crying out loud. And, and even some of the stuff that she did outside of Star Wars was really, really good. Like in the Blues Brothers, I thought she was great in the Blues Brothers. And even that scene in Austin Powers, the first Austin Powers movie, where she's the therapist running that sort of group session with Dr. Evil, like that was, that was really funny stuff. She was incredibly good at looking at herself and, and, and making fun of herself and kind of putting it all out there. She was a pretty special person. And obviously Kenny Baker from Star Wars 2, right? You know, mm-hmm. and he left. And the thing is, he's another guy too. I even enjoyed like his stuff outside of that. There was a movie um, from when I was a kid. It's called Time Bandits. And it was it was actually really, really good movie. I liked it a lot, Time Bandits. And he played in that. He was Fidget. And, you know, he had small movies and tons of them. You know, there's small roles in, in lots of movies like The Elephant Man and Flash Gordon Willow. He did all kinds of stuff. So, you know, Star Wars lost two good people there too. Um, any other ones that strike out for you? I've got a couple more and I want to give you a chance to Get into. Um, I can throw in too. I'm I'm a huge space nerd. I've always been my entire life. Um, I mean, if you could take a time machine back to like ten year old Yancey's room, I had to share it with my older brother, and he's a slob. But <laughs> <laughs> aside from that, um, literally my entire my entire room was just covered with maps and uh, you know like the Apollo landing photos and literally headshots of all of the Apollo astronauts oh, and. Yes. You know, of course, we're going to think about John Glenn. John Glenn, obviously an icon, um, lived a, a really long, just amazing, in, incredibly, incredibly interesting life. But we lost two Apollo astronauts this year, Edgar Mitchell, too. He was kind of lost in the shuffle, obviously not nearly as famous as John Glenn. Yes, but so, we- yes, sorry, just, just to interrupt, not to interrupt you, there's a movie yeah. I want you to go back and watch if you haven't seen it because you like all that kind of stuff. It's called The Right Stuff. Have you heard of it? Have you seen it? I I have not, no. Okay, it's called The Right Stuff. Write it down. It came out, and I want to see it came out in 83, 82, if I remember correctly. And it's all about the the early uh, uh, NASA program and John Glenn and, and all those guys and how the, the astronaut uh, you know program was kind of came around and came to be. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go back and watch The Right Stuff. It was really, really good. The Right Stuff. The Right Stuff. I'm, I'm, I would definitely get down on that. That, that whole era. It's, like it's it, good. I mean, people don't understand that, you know, there's, you see these little, you know, you, you read little bits and pieces and stats and, and little, you know, cute pictures and stuff like that when people pass away that kind of gives you like a, just a brief snapshot or a little factoid about their life. But um, one thing that always stuck out to me was, you know, um, you know, John Glenn was basically doing calculations inside the, you know, inside of the Apollo craft, like, you know, nowadays, like my my first gen iPhone, the very first iPhone that came out had more computing power than the entire Apollo space program did, and yep. that that just like floors me that what these guys were capable of. And um, even now, spaceflight is one of the most dangerous things a human being can possibly do. That's not hyperbole; like that is that is true. So imagine going back, you know, in in, in the '60s and '70s, and and being an astronaut and knowing that there are I mean, there is a very, very high likelihood that you are not going to come back home. Or if you do come back home, you are not going to be alive or in one single piece. And, you know, to lose two astronauts like that, it was, you know, like I said, whenever somebody dies that is much, much older, it's sad. It's not, um, you know, it doesn't rip your heart out like somebody who's young and still has so much promise. But um, it, it, it is sad to see 
you know, people who accomplish so much leave us. It makes me feel like I need to do something. You know what I mean? I, I, I keep developing this sense of urgency. Every time somebody passes away, it's like, you know, if I were to die today, like, what is my legacy? You know, I, I hope it's this podcast, Chris. I hope in 30 <laughs> years we're still doing this podcast. Let's but <laughs> um, I, I just get that feeling with all these people. You know, there's there's still probably 20 or 30 more names we could list. But um, every time I, I see these, you know, you know, you, you see it on Twitter as soon as you log in. It's like on the moments, you know, and it's it's the first thing you see when you wake up, and it's upsetting. But that's that's what it always makes me feel is like I, I really want to accomplish something great, and that I, I try to pull positives from stuff like that. Uh, Alan Rick, 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 uh, Rickman, I want to mention too, because mm-hmm. I think if you go back and watch Die Hard, the original, it's like a textbook, you know, uh, of how a villain is is played. Like Rickman was phenomenal, and I think he also took it to another level in the Harry Potter movies because he he was able to take Snape and play up a whole other side of the character. Like like you you never really knew what his motives were. Like he wasn't just a bad guy. Like there was a whole lot going on with that character. Obviously, I think Alan Rickman was was a phenomenal phenomenal actor. Um, Gene Wilder was another one for me. He, that that was a he was a really really special special talent. Um, a lot of people remember him from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but for me, his role as Jim, the Waco kid in Blazing Saddles, was probably his best work. But I also really, really liked him in Stir Crazy. And another one, too, was his role in Woody Allen's Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask with, with the Sheep. Like, I'm telling you, man, that guy was, he was a comedic genius, and he was so original like and such a unique talent he could do it all he could he could dance he could sing he could act and he was just so bizarre but yet whenever he played a scene like he had such humanity about him too he was just you can't even you'd have to write a thesis on what what he was able to accomplish and then the last one for me that i would like to mention is um because we're up against the clock is is alan thick because um really yeah because he's canadian right and and the Mm -hmm. thing was you know like like Alan Thicke was he was he was a he was an interesting guy from a Canadian point of view because Alan Thicke took a long time to get going. So we knew about him in Canada for a long time, and you know he was on like he had a talk show here, and then he kept trying to get his foothold in in the in the talk show world. That was like his thing, yeah. and he had a show called like The Thick of the Night, and then it was called, I was going to ask you that as a yeah, trivia question. Yeah, Damn it, Chris! Yeah, in the Thick of the Night, <laughs> then then it changed to The Thick of Things, and then it was like uh, he the name changed a bunch of times playing on the word thick, and. You know, then obviously when he was in um, uh, Growing Pains, you know, he was like this dad. And like, so Alan Thicke was pretty cool. But the only reason I mentioned Alan Thicke is because I want to mention one other thing. And and, and, and I think, I, I don't want to get all political on you, Yancey, but I did. I, I think this is important, is that not only did Canada lose Alan Thicke in 2016, and, and like I say, I know it's a pop culture show, but I just want to mention this quickly, if you don't mind, because... Rob Ford. No, no, no. I think I think there was something bigger that Canada because I'm obviously Canadian, so I just got to go off on a rant for a second. There's something okay. there's something bigger that Canada lost in 2016, and I think that 2016 is the year that Canada finally lost its inferiority complex. In case you don't Explain. know what, okay, so in case you don't know what I mean here, Yancy, Canada, we have a major inferiority complex in this country because we're a country of 35 million people and we're bordering up against a country of 350 million. And not only that, the country that we're up against, your country, um, is arguably, arguably, you know, the biggest superpower in the world, 
right? You know, the self-proclaimed mm-hmm. greatest country on earth, and we have to be right up against you guys all the time. To be and, fair, other people proclaim it as well. Yeah, right? yeah, ab- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, obviously you can get a bit of an inferiority complex, you know, about, mm-hmm. you know, yourself and, and where you fit into the world. But I'll tell you what, I think with everything that's gone on over the past year uh, to the south of us, I think Canada's finally been able to step back, take a look at, our, at things and kind of go, you know what? We're not so bad after all. And I think we've really kind of got our together and we're never going to go around and start beating our chests you know and and telling everybody how amazing we are we we don't do that we're canadian for crying out loud but i think the world is finally looking at canada and going hey this is a pretty stable progressive country that has a lot to offer its citizens has a lot to offer the world and i think for the first time in our history as a country we're finally okay with that it's been a very interesting transition for us i think i saw recently where in the new york times named canada as the number one place in the world to visit and we're routinely at the top or near the top of lists of the best countries in the world to live. And 2017 is going to be our 150th birthday. So I think we're finally able to look at ourselves in Canada and and say that the, the inferiority complex that we've had our whole existence is also a casualty of 2016. So... Yeah, so there's that. Mm. I just wanted to mention it. So, and Yancy, you got to come up for a visit sometime. I'm telling you, you are always welcome here. Uh, coming up from South Florida, though, man, you got to wait until the summertime because otherwise, you're going to come up. I'm going to offer you a beer, and it's going to be frozen. So I can't do that, Chris. I'm literally sitting here with my teeth chattering. I'm like struggling to form coherent sentences, and <laughs> the idea of me going up to Canada, <laughs> yeah. like I said, it's literally in the summer. You come up in the summer. Our summers are, are yeah. beautiful. Most people don't realize this. Southern Ontario is the same latitude as Northern California. Okay, people don't realize that we dip down below the Great Lakes, and it's it's really nice and warm here. So make sure you come on. Anyway, let's have some fun with Yancey. Okay, Yancey, I got some things for you. you mentioned you know how much we love baseball, and obviously you know you mentioned um, uh, that uh, Jose Fernandez passed mm-hmm. away. So here's here's a softball question for you, Yancey. What number did he wear? Oh. Sh- <laughs> oh man! I, oh, I thought oh. it was a softball. Everybody was I, wearing it on their on their hats. I've owned a jersey. I've owned a Jose Fernandez yes, jersey. I got him. Yes, I got him. Uh, what 16, was it? 16, 16. Yes, I was yeah. honestly going to say twenty six. I knew wow. there was a six on it. I just blanked. Okay, this I, is so bad. Okay, I got. I a, just, okay, I'm going to go from that one to a really tough one for you. Okay, Carrie okay. Fi- Carrie Fisher. We mentioned her. We love her to death. Right, and she died this past year. Love, yep. love Star Wars. Okay, we we know that. We mention it every single week. So, um, so she is royalty in the Star Wars universe, but she's also Hollywood royalty, right? Her mother, of course, Debbie Reynolds, who died unfortunately the day after Carrie passed away. But um, and by the way, just as an aside, sorry, Debbie Reynolds. What about her? You know, like you know, singing in the rain. When you think about that movie, she learned how to tap dance just for that scene. And she held her, her own with two of the greatest of all time in Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor. Man, no mean feat. Wow, my very a... first girlfriend, Christopher, my yep. very first girlfriend, her favorite movie was Singing in the Rain. I had never seen it. Um, that's not my family's cup of tea at all. And uh, she's like, please watch this. Please watch this. I'm like, honestly, I hate musicals. I think they're stupid. I think they're corny. And I sat down and watched it. And it was one of the just most just genuinely charming, like beautiful it movies. Just beautiful, beautiful movie. And it, it, it's one of those movies. I mean, it's how old is it at this point? Six years old, 50 yeah. years old. I don't yeah. even know. But it, it holds up. Like, it does. Really, really it's well. great. And the dance numbers and Donald O'Connor. Oh, man, that movie. It is good. And she was phenomenal on that. Don't you know? Um, but anyway, so Carrie Fisher, obviously her mom. Debbie Reynolds. She's a product of Hollywood royalty. Mm-hmm. Who was Carrie Fisher's father? Oh, and don't say Darth Vader. 
Um, yeah. Tough one. Man, my wife, my wife is, uh, her, my prince is look, her. Uh, look look, is look her to the character. last name. Look to the last name. Uh, it's a tough one. It's Eddie Fisher. Eddie Fisher. Okay. My wife would know this. She's probably listening 24 hours from now, just screaming into her iPhone. All right, Prince, we mentioned him. You talked lots about him. He had a total of five singles go Mm -hmm. all the way to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Which song was the first of his to go to number one? The very first? Yeah, his first single to go to number one. Um... Oh man, he he had a couple albums out before he got a number one. Sorry, time's up. It's when doves cry, June of nineteen. That was his first number one. His first. Yeah, his next one was Let's Go Crazy uh, in eighty four, followed up by Kiss in eighty six, Bat Dance in eighty nine, and Cream in ninety one. Okay, I'm gonna give another lesser known person that died in the year, but Robert Vaughn. Okay, probably best known as Napoleon Solo from The Man from Uncle. Now, um, way before your time, Yancey, I know. But one movie that he was in wasn't before your time, and that was his 100th film credit. This movie came out in 1998, right in your wheelhouse, okay? Vaughn played Baxter Kane. He was the owner of a professional sports team, the Dallas Felons. Can you name Robert Vaughn's 100th movie, Yancey? Baxter Kane? Yeah. Oh, it's Basketball. Yay! Yes! Yes! That is such a stupid movie. That is such a good, stupid movie. I like it, though. It's pretty funny. Okay. (laughs) Glenn Frey, you mentioned he died uh, January 18th. He was 67 years old. So on the Hot 100, we already mentioned on the Hot 100, Frey made five visits to number one, all with classic Eagle singles. Can you name any one of them? Just one of the five. Witchy Woman. Really? <laughs> yeah, that ain't one of them. Um, uh, Life in the Fast Lane? That ain't one Hotel of California. Hotel California is one, yes, from 1977. Best of My Love, One of These Nights from 75. New one kid, of these nights. New Kid in that Town is- in Hotel California from 77. And Heartache Tonight from 79. So, okay, <laughs> the last one here for you, George Michael. Okay. Lots yep. of hits over his time in the spotlight, right? You know, he had songs both with Wham, and he was also had a really successful solo career. So, Yancey, of all the hit singles that George Michaels released over his career, which one spent the longest time at number one? Careless Whisper. Oh, close. That's number two. I'll give you one Faith. more chance. Yes, Faith is number one. Not I want your sex. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that one. That, that one actually it did make it. Uh, it made it as high as number two in 1987. Never made it all the way okay. to number one. Yep. There you go. So, very good. Anyway, yeah, kind of sad to look back on a year like that where we lost so many people and it was such an unbelievable year. Let's just hope to 2017 has a lot more good than it does bad. Let's. That's obviously the hope. If you want to reach out to us here, you can reach us on Twitter at c mcbrian or at yancy eaton. Shoot us an email, Chris or yancy at popgoesyourworld.com. Until next time, this is Chris McBrien saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 